Good morning, good news. My name is Tony Willis. I am the kids ministry director here at Good News. We are so happy that you chose to join us this morning. On the screen here, you will see some of my leaders in kids worship. We have a fun time together, don't we? <laughs> they serve over in kindergarten through fifth grade, and I am so encouraged by the way that these people continue to show up Sunday after Sunday, and they pour out their spiritual gifts on our next generation, and I'm so lucky to serve alongside them. I'd love to have you guys help me thank them. So thank you so much, leaders. If you're new, if this is your first time visiting us today, I'd like to point out our Connect card. It looks like this. It's in the seat back in front of you. We would love for you to take that out and fill out as much or as little information as you are comfortable sharing with us. At the bottom of that, you'll see some next steps. If you would like to have lunch with the pastor, you can mark that on there. If you would like to attend our Discover Good News class, you can mark that on there. Our Discover Good News class will be held on August 16th or August 19th. Both of those dates, you can choose which one works for you. If um, this is your first time visiting us and you would like to know more about who we are and what we believe here at Good News, we would love to have you join us for that. If you have been attending Good News for a while and you're interested in taking the next steps to make Good News your church home, this would be the next step for you also. And so we would love it if you would mark that on your card and slip it in one of the black boxes um, at the back when you leave today. Today we are excited to celebrate a new member of our church family. We celebrate with the Tart family. This is Laud Eric Tart. Alice Tart, who is Laud's mom, uh, actually was here this morning. Laud is 10 days old, and she just came up to me and she said, I'll be back to serve next week. <laughs> and she is amazing, so it's exciting for me to be able to celebrate with them. Okay, as you came in today, you um, have a sheet of paper that looks like this. You might have seen them on the chairs. If you don't have one, you can grab one. On this sheet of paper is all kinds of useful and helpful information about all of the really cool things that we have coming up over the next few weeks at Good News. So I would like to encourage you to take one of those home and read through it this afternoon and mark those dates on your calendar. But since I'm the kids ministry director and I got the microphone today, I'm going to highlight our back to school bash. And so that's going to happen next Sunday. And so kids all over St. John's County are going back to school or getting ready to go back to school. And what that means for us in kids ministry is that we need to move up into our new grade level small groups. And so that's going to happen next Sunday. So during each service, they'll attend their new grade level small groups. They'll get to meet all of the kids that are in their small group and they'll get to meet and get to know their leaders and then after the 10:30 service we're going to have our back to school bash and so that's a super fun time out on the back lawn for all kids and all families to come and hang out and celebrate together and get to know each other as we lock arms to get ready for a new school year together 
you know, we actually have a few more places that are still open to serve in kids' worship at the 1030 service specifically. And so if you're interested in joining our team, please mark that on your card um, and let me know. Put it in the black box on your way out, and I will be sure to get in touch with you this week. You know, can I tell you what has been one of my greatest joys over my life? It's been being involved here at Good News Church and getting plugged in and, and serving our body and our next generation. You see, 20 years ago, my husband and I decided to make Good News our church home, and I loved babies. And so I got involved serving in the nursery, and I got to laugh and play and sing songs to the kids. And then a few years later, I decided to step up and serve in the kids' ministry in elementary. And so I had the time of my life playing with those kids, teaching them about Jesus, reading the Bible with them, and then I got to see them serve. They came back and they served at VBS, and they're serving all over the place, and then they go off to college, and they go off on missions trips, and they go off and they, they become these young adults, and then all of a sudden, guess what? They're getting married. And so now all of those kids are getting married, and I have the privilege of being able to go to those weddings and celebrate with the families, with the moms, and to see these kids grow up and get married, and now they're having babies of their own. And so I get to celebrate with them as they welcome new kids into God's family, and I get to be there. I get to see that with them, and I get to celebrate with them. And you know what? That has been just the time of my life and the privilege of my life. Won't you join me? Won't you join me and partner with me and give your life away to something that matters? Give your life away to expanding God's king kingdom and sharing Jesus with the next generation. I would love to have you partner with us. All right, we are going to pray as Smiley comes up and uh, prepare our hearts for the message. Lord, we love you. How thankful I am that you called me to serve for you. Lord, pray that um, much would be made of you today. Pray that you would be with smiling. Give him words to speak. Lord, your word tells us, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. God, would you help us to do that? Would you help us to hear your word? Give us ears to hear today and let it sink down deep so that we may share it with others. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Tony. Sometimes people tell me that believing in Jesus is easy and following Him is hard. And I think it's exactly the opposite. Because I think if we believe in God, then following Him becomes easy. For example, we're about to read from the Bible. And it's a great idea to bring a Bible with you. If we believe the Bible is God's Word, then we'd read it. If we believe the Bible is God's Word, we'd love to gather together like we're doing now to study His Word together. So at Good News, we do believe it's God's Word. Bring a Bible with you. It'll help you know Jesus. And uh, this morning, because we believe it's God's Word, we're going to study from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 together. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. 
The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Do you ever look around and just find that your heart's broken? Maybe your heart breaks over things happening in your families or maybe our community or, 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 or maybe our country or the world. You ever heartbroken? Man, my heart's broken. Isn't yours? And do you ever find yourself saying, gee, I wish I, wish I could make a difference. I, I wish my life could count and I could make a difference. And, and I want you to know Jesus gives you that opportunity. Jesus has a plan. He has a plan to change the world. And His plan is one of multiplication. It's one of multiplication. We're part of a four-week series where the point's been the same for all the weeks. And so once again today, the point of today's message is that Jesus invites us to make disciples together. That our purpose as a church is to make disciples together. And Jesus invites us to be a part, to be a part of what He's doing in the world and make disciples together. And since that's uh, our purpose, we're just taking some time to really think through that and explore that. See, Jesus has a plan to change people. Because when you change people, then you change families. When you change families, you change churches. When you change churches, you change communities. When you change communities, you change nations in the world. And Jesus, His plan for changing people and families and churches and nations in the world is one of multiplication. And you say, what? <clears throat> well, look at verse 1. Paul says, you therefore, my son, be strong. So Paul leads Timothy to faith in Christ. We call that addition, right? One person is added. And, and, and in most weeks, we gather together and we celebrate people that have been one to faith in Christ. And so when someone comes to faith in Christ, that's addition. But verse 2, that's multiplication. When Paul says, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, so Paul is reproducing himself in the life of Timothy, that's multiplication. And then he tells Timothy to turn around and reproduce his life in, in faithful men who will do others also. Oh, So the way we can be a part of Jesus' plan for changing the world is, first of all, to be a disciple and then to turn around and to make disciples. And so last week, we spent some time and learned that a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And then we looked at how a disciple maker is someone who's, when he's following Jesus, he brings others with him. He's, he's reproducing himself in the lives of others. And last week, we looked at the qualities that make for an effective disciple or disciple maker. And I made some people mad by talking about fat, so I'm giving you the acrostic here, okay? But what does a disciple look like? A disciple is faithful available and trainable. If we're going to pour our lives into people, what kind of people do we want to look for? We want to look for people who are faithful and available and trainable. And so last week we spent some time and looked at faithful. After all, in verse 2, Paul's telling Timothy that when you're looking for people to entrust these things to, he says, entrust these two faithful men. So what does it mean to be faithful? I, I believe John 15, 5 uh, tells us what it means to be faithful. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. I love the word abide. It means to be with a friend who loves you and stay there. So 
How can we be disciples? We can be with a friend, Jesus, and stay there. How do we become disciple makers? By being with a friend and staying there. Yesterday, I'm watching this show, and it was about 20 things they do in Japanese education that we don't. And one of them was fascinating. It said what they do is when children are young, they do not give them grades on subject matters. They give them grades on attendance and behavior. They grade their attendance and behavior because they believe that if the kids are in class and well-behaved, guess what will happen? They'll learn. They'll learn. And isn't that what Jesus says? He says the key for our lives to be changed is to be with a friend who loves us and stay there. And so often we're focused on behavior all the time rather than being with Jesus and staying there, and as we're with Him and stay there, He changes us. So what does it mean to be faithful? It means to be with a friend and stay there. That we stay with Jesus. He's our friend. That we stay involved in His purpose. Then that brings us to the word available. Available. Well, what does it mean to be available? I think back in verse 1, He says, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know what it means to be available? It means that we're in love with Jesus, that we've been captured by His love. Because when it comes to available, every one of us always and only do do what we want to do. We always and only do the things we want to do, and the things we love to do, the things we love to do, whether it's sports or a hobby, the things we love to do, guess what happens what? We find time to do them, don't they? So the key to being available to Jesus is that He's our great love. And when He's our great love, we'll be available to Him because He's our friend and He has a purpose for our lives. Are you captured by the love of Christ? Maybe you say, well, what would that look like to be captured by the love of Christ? So I want to give you three pictures. I want to give you three pictures because people say that a picture is worth a thousand, uh, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah 6. Um, I want to give you an Old Testament picture of what it means to be captured by the love of Jesus and to be available to Him. In Isaiah 6, verse 1, in the year of King Uzziah's death. So it's a little before 700 B.C. And King Uzziah, he became king at 16. Uh, Young, Would you like to be a king at 16? And he he was king for 52 years. So most of the people who lived in Israel, they only knew one king. The only king they had ever known was Uzziah. And then all of a sudden he died, and people thought, man, what's going to happen now? Uzziah, we thought he was never going to die, and now he's dead. So in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Wouldn't you love to? We get the same thing because... Isaiah is sharing with us in his word what he saw. He was in the throne room of God. Uh, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. Do you realize God's in control? He's sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, with the throne of his robe filling the temple. Wouldn't you love to have seen that? Seraphim and angelic beings stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Now, I want you to know that seraphim had never sinned. Seraphim had never sinned, and yet, when seraphim were in the presence of the holy God, 
It was so overwhelming that they covered their eyes because their eyes could not behold the holy God. And with two, they covered their feet. They were so ashamed of themselves, even though they had never sinned. Wow. God is sovereign and holy and awesome. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And what did they keep saying? Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. If you ask people today, what is God like? What are most people going to say? Come on, you know what? God is, God is love. I guarantee most people you ask today, what is God like? They're going to say God is love. But I doubt you'll ask anyone, what is God like, who will respond and say He is holy. Uh, and He's not just holy. He's holy, holy. He's holy, holy, holy. Do you know what the word holy means? Set apart. It means uh, perfect. And so God is so different from us. He's holy. He's holy. He... Have you ever seen Him? Ah. Uh, one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Listen to what happened. And the foundations of the tre threshold trembled at the voice of Him who called out. Can you imagine being in a temple and the very foundations are shaking uh, while the temple was filling with smoke? Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Oh, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When Isaiah saw God, he saw himself so differently. Have you ever seen God? So many of us say, well, I'm not as bad as that person. And that's probably true, right? But when, he, when Isaiah quit comparing himself to that person and he saw God, he saw himself so differently. Have you ever had that experience? He says, whoa, in Hebrew that means, uh-oh, I'm in big trouble. Oh, he saw his sin. Notice he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. When he saw God, he thought of all the disrespectful things he said to his mom and dad. He, he thinks of the lies that he told and the exaggeration and all the words that had come out of his mouth because he saw the Holy One. And he saw not only his sins, but he lived among a people of unclean lips. And then he said, he saw not only his sin, but his condition. He said, I am ruined. The King James Version says, I'm undone. He's saying, I'm coming apart at the seams. Have you ever had that experience when he saw God? He said, man, I am in big trouble. Oh. And then listen. After he understood the bad news of the gospel, he understood the good. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altars with tongs. Notice Isaiah didn't try and fix himself up and become acceptable to God. He didn't try to try harder. When he cried out about his sin, God sent an angel to cleanse him. What a beautiful picture of the gospel, right? If we're ever going to be available to Jesus, if we're ever going to love Jesus above all else, it will be because we have experienced the gospel, not just heard it, but experienced it. Have you? Oh, 
When you see Jesus, have you seen him? Then you see yourself differently. And we understand the bad news of the gospel that I am a man of unclean lips. Oh man, when I saw Jesus, I thought of all the things I had said to my mother and dad. Oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I, and I thought of the lies that I had told, right? And, and, and the, you know, I know people that are really concerned about what they eat really concerned. Of course, I know some people who aren't concerned at all. But you know what Jesus said? It's not what goes into the mouth that really matters. It's what? It's what that comes out. Oh, the things that have come out of my mouth show the condition of my heart and yours too. Matter of fact, you know what Jesus said? He said, you think you're pretty good because you've never murdered anybody? He says, if you've ever called someone an idiot, any of you drive, any of you drive, Maybe you ever said that to someone, another drive. You ever call someone a fool? or You know what Jesus said? Even that's enough to send us to hell forever, right? Oh, man. When we see Jesus, we see our sin. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and I'm ruined. I'm undone. What do I do? And it's just like here. Help comes from above. Oh. When we see our sin, then we see Jesus, and He becomes beautiful because He's our Savior. He's our Savior. Oh, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus was so beautiful to him. In John 1, 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, Jesus is God the Son who put on flesh and came to earth to do something about our sin problem. You read the Older Testament, all those sacrifices, all those animals killed, what was the point? It was to teach people we're all sinners. It was to teach us that the penalty for sin is death. It was to teach people that the blood of animals could never take away our sin. We needed the Lamb of God. And so Jesus was a man and he could take our place, and he was fully God, and his death would be of infinite value. When we see our sin, and then we see that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. He took our sins upon himself, he died in our place, and then he rose on the third day, and he offers us eternal life. He offers to forgive us our sins. He offers us the chance to do life in eternity with Him instead of hell that we could do life in eternity. He offers to us eternal life as a free gift. And how do we receive the gift? We receive the gift by faith, by believing, right? I love this verse in John 6, 47. It makes it so simple for us. Would you read this with me? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Notice when Jesus says, truly, truly, he says, wake up, this is important. So who does Jesus say has eternal life? Those who believe. So do you believe? Do you? Then you have eternal life. Won't you just take a moment and say, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me all of my sins, won't you? Lord, thank you that I get to do life in eternity with you. Thank you that I'm going to spend all of eternity with you. Thank you. Won't you thank him? And listen, if you're saying, I'm not sure, or, or no, I haven't, it's so important you understand what it means to believe. It's simple. It's as simple as A and B and C where we admit and believe and commit. And, and Isaiah is a good model. It starts when we say, I am a man of unclean lips. You can do that now, or as I close in prayer, but it starts when you admit, oh, Lord, 
I've said so many things I ought not to have said. I admit to you that I'm a sinner. Won't you do that? And then we say, I believe that you're the Lamb of God, that, that you're the one who takes away my sin. You died and rose for me. And then we commit to Him as Savior and Lord. Jesus, come in and forgive me. And be Lord and give me eternal life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Won't you? I tell you, when you're forgiven and you realize you've been delivered from hell and you've been delivered to do life and eternity, you become available to Him. You become available because your heart is controlled by the love of Christ. Going back to Isaiah, notice verse 8, then, then, when Isaiah had seen God, when Isaiah had seen that he was ruined, when Isaiah had been forgiven, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Uh, now, don't miss this. We believe there's one God who exists eternally in three persons, right? Did you pick up the Trinity in that verse, did you? Then I heard the voice of the Lord. There's one God. Whom shall I send? One God. And who will go for us? And... and what does that remind you of? Doesn't that remind you of the Great Commission, doesn't it? When Jesus said what? Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the, the, what, the name. He didn't say in the names of. Well, what is God's name? The name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh. So after he experienced grace, after he was overwhelmed by love, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom? Shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Now, don't miss in that. The, word, the way the words are arranged are very important. He didn't say, here I am. That would be geography, right? And did God know where he was? God knew where he was. When he said, here I am, I, that's availability. That's availability. God says, whom shall I send and who will go for me? He says, here I am, send me. Uh, notice what else he didn't say. This is what a lot of us say. Uh, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Tony said there's a need for uh, help in, in children's ministry. There's a need for so many small group leaders. There's needs for ushers and all these things. There's so many people who need to hear the gospel and we say, here am I. Uh, send someone else. Um, I tell you, when we're overwhelmed by the love of Christ, and Jesus says, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? We find ourselves available. We find ourselves just like Isaiah saying, here am I, send me. So picture number one of what it looks like to be available, to be captured by the love of Christ is, is uh, Isaiah. Picture number two is from the Newer Testament, uh, the Apostle Paul. Uh, I'm going to read from Acts chapter 27. Paul is in prison and he's kind of on his way to Rome and he's defending himself before King Agrippa, except Paul's not really defending himself. He's really trying to win Agrippa to faith in Christ. And so he's sharing his testimony with him. And if you're new, we're glad you're here. There was a man named Saul, and he was a Jewish leader, and he hated Christians, and he's on his way to Damascus to arrest them and put them to death. I mean, he hated Jesus. That's the background for the story here. 
verse 12, while so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus, this is Saul, with the authority and commission of the chief priests to arrest them and put them to death, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven. Sounds a lot like Isaiah, didn't he? He saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, doesn't that sound like Isaiah's experience? He fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? We would expect him to say, why are you persecuting what? My people. But where is body? The reason we need to be careful in treating each other is where is body? The way we treat each other is the way we treat Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? Uh, and uh, I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. <laughs> I think Paul said at that moment, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I've been persecuting Jesus. But instead of being struck down dead like he deserved, Saul experienced grace. He saw Jesus. He saw his sin. He was forgiven. And everything in his life began to change. That's what makes people available to Jesus. It's when they're amazed by grace. They're staggered by his love. And I said to him, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you. That's what Jesus does to us. He calls us to himself. He forgives us. And he says, I've got a purpose for your life. I, I want to appoint you a, a witness for me of what you've seen and what you've experiencing, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they might turn from darkness to light. And aren't you thankful Jesus opened your eyes? Aren't you? That once you lived in darkness and now you live in light. And so Jesus wants us to go and help others for the, to turn from darkness to light. And from the dominion of Satan to God. Man, aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that you've been freed from the domain of Satan to the domain of God? Don't you want to go and set others free? Do you see people around you held captive by the evil one? And Jesus is saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Will you say... Here am I, send me, <clears throat> that they may receive forgiveness of sins. How many people do you know who are absolutely overwhelmed by how they've wrecked their life? Aren't you thankful that you have forgiveness? Wouldn't you like to share with them how they can be forgiven? And an inheritance among those who've been sanctified by faith in me. Man, you're going to live forever. Do you know anybody who doesn't have eternal life? Won't you go and share with them? Oh, you know when we become available to Jesus? You see, what blew Paul away is he didn't get what he deserved. Because later, later he would write, for the wages of sin is death. Oh, when Paul saw Jesus, he realized what he deserved was hell. But he didn't get hell. He got what he didn't deserve. 
Instead of getting the wages of sin, he got the free gift of eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus as Lord. He, he, he got forgiveness for his sins. He had a friend and a purpose and a future. I mean, are you absolutely overwhelmed by the fact that you didn't get what you deserve? Are you so thrilled that you received what you didn't deserve, that, that you're available to Jesus and his purpose? There's, there's Isaiah, there's Paul, and the third example is me, and, and I don't belong with those guys. But I want to show you what changed my life. It was God's grace and kindness. In Romans 2, uh, verse 4, Or do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and tolerance and patience? When was the last time you got up and had breakfast with Jesus and just said, thank you? Thank you for the riches of kindness you've shown to me, the riches of tolerance you've shown to me, the, the riches of patience you've shown to me, knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. I was sharing with my small group recently, I've only skipped school one day in my life. That was the day I became a Christian. Is that causation, you think, or correlation? What do you think? I mean, I was invited to this Young Life camp, but the waves were really good. And, and I didn't want to miss the waves, so I skipped school, went surfing all day long, had a really good time. The waves were so good. And then we thought the Young Life camp might be lame, so we stopped by a liquor store on the way to the pickup point for the camp, and we bought all this beer because even if the camp was lame, we were going to bring the party with us. And my young life leader found all of our beer and he put it in the middle of the room and he left the room. I got in trouble all my life and punishment never changed my heart. And I knew he was going to come in and I knew he was going to get mad. I knew he was going to call my parents and I knew I was going to get in trouble. But I was ambushed by grace. I was undone by kindness. He's in college, I'm a sophomore in high school, and he comes in and he's weeping. And he says, Smiley, Jesus loves you, and so do I. And that changed my heart. And he said, Jesus doesn't say, clean up your act, and when you're nice and clean, then he'll love you. He says, Jesus loves you just the way you are. And he wants to move into you and forgive you and do life and eternity with you, and all he asks you is to invite him in. I was totally unprepared for grace. I was blown away by grace that I didn't get what I deserved, and that changed my life. Have you experienced that? Are you blown away you didn't get what you deserve? What does it mean to be available to Jesus? It means we're so blown away by the love of Jesus, we do anything because we're amazed by His grace. Let me show it to you in 2 Corinthians 5. What is available? For the love of Christ controls us. The people that are available to Jesus, <laughs> they're the ones that are in love with Him. The love of Christ controls them. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and He died for all, that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. When the lights come on, and we see our sin, and we deserve, realize we deserve hell, and we see Jesus, and we experience grace, 
Everything begins to change. Listen, when Jesus moves into us, His intention isn't to change something in our life. His intention is to change everything in our lives, and He does it by His love. Well, Smiley, is that the love of Christ for us, or is that our love for Him? Yes, right? It certainly starts with Him. He loves us, right? And because He loves us, we love Him. And when our hearts are staggered that Jesus loved us, that we've experienced grace, when He captures our hearts, when He captures our hearts with His love, we gladly give Him our hands and feet. That's what makes us available to Him, is that our hearts are controlled by the love of Christ. Is yours? So those are three pictures. Uh, Isaiah uh, and Paul and me. I mean, I'll never forget when Jesus moved in, I loved Him. I wanted to be with Him. I still do, don't you? I wanted to follow Him. I still do, don't you? When Jesus moved in, I loved His people. I wanted to be with them. They're His brothers and sisters. I still do, don't you? When I met Jesus, I loved. I had all these friends who didn't know Jesus. I wanted to bring them to Him, don't you? Three pictures. Paul gives us three more in our passage here, okay? Let's walk through three more. Um, Verse 3, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. I mean, don't you want to be a good soldier of Christ Jesus? Um, Soldiers are willing to suffer, right? And listen, a good soldier of Christ, we're available to suffer for Jesus. We're available to suffer for Jesus because we're blown away that He would suffer for us. I mean, He's worth suffering for. We're not, and yet He suffered for us, right? No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Soldiers keep from being entangled in life so they're available to please the one who recruited them. So many distractions in life today, right? Oh, we want to be available to Jesus and available to His purpose because He's recruited us. Let me show you that in John 15. This verse is so good. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Do you know what I was doing? I was wasting my life. I was disobedient to my parents. I was abusing alcohol and drugs. I was wasting my life. And Jesus chose me, me. And Jesus gave me a chance to do life and eternity with Him so that my life would count. I'm so thankful. He chose me and called me to follow Him. Isn't that your story too? He chooses us because we're wasting our lives. And He says, don't waste your life. Come, follow me. And your life will count. (laughs) Soldier, that's hard for me to identify. The next one. Athlete I can identify with. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. I love to win. Don't you? 
So he says that an athlete is available to train. He's willing to train hard because he wants to win. An athlete is available to compete because he wants to win. What if we were available to train because we wanted to win people to Christ? What if we were available to be involved in making disciples because that's what mattered most to us? Soldier, athlete, farmer. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive the share of the crops. <laughs> Farming is hard work, isn't it? But farmers are available to work hard. They're available to work hard to cultivate the ground. They're available to work hard to plant and to reap. Oh, listen, following Jesus, there's hard work involved. Do you want to follow? Are you available to follow him even though there's hard work? Listen, winning people to Christ and making disciples, it's hard work. Are you available? Are you? Um, Jesus invites us to make disciples together. To, to, to do that, it's important to be faithful, to be with a friend who loves us and stay there. Is Jesus your friend? Are you? And, and then to be available, available to Him and available to His, His purpose for our lives. Are you available? So that brings us to our action step for the week. That what I want you to do this week is just to think about to be available, to be available. And I, and I want to show you what that would look like, to be available to Jesus and to be available to His purpose. In Mark chapter 3, verse 13, we read, And He, Jesus, went up on the mountain and summoned those whom He wanted, and they came to Him. Jesus spent the night in prayer, and He called those He wanted. Are you a Christian? Are you? You know what that means? Jesus wanted you. Is that amazing? He wanted you, and He summoned you. He sent someone to share the gospel and summoned you to Himself. Notice what comes next. And He appointed 12, the 12 apostles, so that they would be with Him. And why did He summon you? So that you could be with Him. So that you could do life and eternity with Him. And that He could send them out to preach. And, and, and He he called you so that you could go and, and be a part of His plan to change the world. So this week, let's be available to be with Him. Do you know what Jesus says? Let's be friends. I mean, my favorite verse, Jesus said, if you invite me, I'll come in and we'll dine together, right? Oh, man. Jesus has time for us. Do we have time for Him? I mean, today's Sunday. Did you get up? Did you say, Sunday's the day I get to be with Jesus? People often tell me, do I have to go to church? If you're a Christian, you don't have to do anything. But Jesus is here. Are you? I mean, worship's important for us, but do you ever stop and think of what it means to Jesus, do you? Do you realize He's here every Sunday? Do you realize how many things in the world break His heart? Yeah, you remember there were 10 lepers that were cleansed, right? How many came back to give thanks? Just one, Which one do you want to be? Um... Jesus is here. I don't know, when Sunday comes, I want to be, Jesus, I, I want to worship because I want to tell you how thankful I am for what, is that us? Do we come early? 
Do we come eager because we want Jesus to know that He's more precious to us than anything in all the world? Do you know there's only one thing the Bible says God seeks from people as worshipers? Is that us? We have one opportunity a week. Are we blown away that we get to be with Him? Oh, we get to sing to Him once a week. We get to come and hear His Word. Jesus invites us to be with Him. Do I have to go to smoke? You don't have to do anything. We get to gather with His people and open His Word together. Oh, do you ever think how much that matters to Jesus? We ruin the Christian life. You have to read the Bible. Do you know what happens every morning I get up? And Jesus says, let's have breakfast. How many of us leave Jesus sitting in the chair while we rush off with all these silly things, while Jesus, more than anything, wants us to be with Him. Let me encourage you this morning, before you rush, this week, before you rush out, remember, Jesus is waiting for you. He invites you to breakfast. Are you kidding me? Jesus has time for us, and we don't have time for Him. Oh, and it gets even better when we have breakfast with Him. He says, follow me. Listen, we get to do life with Him, not just spending, but we get to follow Him all day long. He's our model for life and ministry, and He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the desire and power to follow Him. Are you a husband? Do you want a better marriage? He says, follow me, and I'll show you how to love your wife. Why wouldn't you want to be with Him? Are you a wife? He says, follow me, and I'll show you how to love your husband. Why wouldn't you want to follow Him? Are you single? Jesus says, follow me, and I'll show you how to live as a single Christian, how your life can impact the world. Follow me. Why wouldn't you want to follow him as a single person? Are you a young person? Follow me, and I'll show you how to honor your father and mother. Do you have financial problems? Jesus says, follow me. I spend five times as much talking about money as I do about prayer. Follow me. I've got a plan for your finances. Follow me. Man, our culture is so confused about sex. Jesus says, I invented it. Follow me, and I'll show you the proper place for sex and the way to have the best sex. Follow me, I've got the plan. Why wouldn't we want to be with Him? And then He he calls us to be with Him, and then He could send them out to preach. Then He wants us to go and share with others how amazing He is. He wants us to go and tell our friends how amazing our best friend is, the one we just were with. And I want you to see something here, that witness leads to witness, that our witness, our witness determines our witness. When we come and spend time with Jesus, we'll want to go and tell Him with others. Listen, when we make ourselves available to Jesus, we'll find that we want to make ourselves available to others. Oh, we make such a mess of the Christian life. Well, smiley, do I have to share my faith with others? You know what we get to do? We get to share good news. Do you ever have conversations with people like everything in the world is falling apart, it's all bad news? What do we have? What do we have? Good news! How can we keep that to ourselves? 
Who do you know who's made really bad decisions and they're overwhelmed by all their failures? Who do you know that would love to hear what we say every week that when we believe in Jesus, our failures are not fatal? Won't you share with them how they can be forgiven? How many people do you know who are going through a really difficult time? Life seems so overwhelming and so hard. Wouldn't they love to hear what we hear every week, that our lives are not futile? That when we believe in Jesus, we get a friend to do life with and a purpose big enough to give our life? Go and share. Who do you know who's afraid of death? Who do you know that's received a bad report from the doctor? Wouldn't they love to know that when we believe in Jesus, our death is not final, that we can live forever? Oh, listen, Jesus has a plan, a plan to change people and families and churches and nations and the world. It's a, it's a plan of multiplication, and He invites us all to be a part of it. <laughs> oh, and all we need to do is to be available, right? To be available to be with our best friend. And then to be available to go and share with our friends how amazing our best friend is. And I believe the more Jesus becomes our best friend, the more we'll want to grab our friends and say, you've got to meet my best friend. His name is Jesus. Let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, we're so thankful that you're the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, even my sin and our sin. Thank you for dying on the cross in our place once and for all for our sins. Thank you for rising. Lord, thank you for offering us eternal life. And listen, if you're here and you've never received the free gift of eternal life, if for the first time you've seen your sins, if you'd like to be forgiven and, and live forever, Jesus is here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Well, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark that on your card and put it in the box? I'd love to celebrate with you and pray for you. And tell a friend it'll make Jesus more real to you. Lord, I pray this morning that maybe our heart for you has grown cold, that, that maybe we've forgotten how much you love us. And I pray that through your word today that we would leave here smiling and laughing, rejoicing, that we have experienced amazing grace. And Lord, I pray this week that we would be available to be with you, that worship would be about being with you, that small group would be about being with you, that that getting up and having breakfast with you would be about being with you because it matters to you. Lord, help us this week to follow you. Listen, is there an area in your life that Jesus is calling you? Won't you say yes? I mean, he knows the path to happiness better than you. Won't you say yes? And Lord, I pray this week too that, that as we go out, that we would share with others, that, that we would share with others how amazing how amazing our best friend is. 
Lord, I pray that you would help us to be disciples, who make disciples, so that we could multiply disciples until that day you come back. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.